Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. This is MPB News. Hi, this is Karen Brown. Thanks for checking out the Mississippi Edition podcast. If you like what you hear, click subscribe, hit like, or leave us a comment if your app has that feature. Then find other MPB podcasts by searching MPB Think Radio on your favorite podcasting platform. Thanks. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Thursday, March 25th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, for the second time in as many weeks, the Magnolia State faces the threat of severe storms and tornadoes. We talk to the National Weather Service. Then, for years, Alabama and Mississippi have refused to expand Medicaid, but advocates hope a new federal incentive could change things. Plus, premiering at the Oxford Film Festival this weekend, look away, look away. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. For the second consecutive week, most of the Magnolia State is facing an enhanced to high risk of severe weather as another storm capable of producing strong winds, tornadoes and hail passes through Mississippi today. David Cox of the National Weather Service in Jackson breaks down the threat with our Michael Guidry. Well, unfortunately, uh, as you mentioned before, uh, we are going through a second round of uh, severe weather. We are expecting a potential severe weather outbreak this this afternoon. Uh, it does look as though some of that development could be around mid-morning or so uh, right along the Mississippi River and spreading east and intensifying uh, through the day and afternoon. The main main thing we're expecting, uh, the strong to violent long track tornadoes are possible, uh, very high damaging winds greater than 80 miles per hour and destructive hail to potentially to baseball size. So this is definitely one event. The setup is even more volatile uh, this week than it was last week, so that's just to give you an idea. So we're definitely uh, monitoring this closely. Uh, This will be rapidly uh, developing over the next several hours, but compared to previous weather events, this should be moving through fairly rapidly. Uh, These storms will move very fast, and to the east-northeast, and then moving out really before late, too late into the evening. Last week's weather event was, was widespread, at least as far as uh, reports of damage uh, and tornadoes from southwest Mississippi to northeast Mississippi, Wilkinson County to, to Clay County, and we know about what happened in Wayne County uh, in kind of eastern Mississippi. Does this storm present... Uh, the potential to to be a widespread event like last week, or are we talking more severe conditions uh, in more centralized areas? 
This does look to be a larger area of potentially impacted, and just because the setup is even more volatile, uh, that does pose the threat for even stronger or longer track uh, tornadoes than what we saw this past week. Um, definitely can't uh, downplay the wind threat and uh, the hail threat as well. It's all going to be uh, significant impacts from any of these storms. Because the atmosphere further to the south may have what we would call um, a lid on it a little bit, that helps to isolate these. And the more isolated these are, the more energy is available for those individual cells to develop. So even if we don't have as many you know, storms out there, they could be even more intense. We've had rain come through last week with, with the storms. We had rain earlier this week in, in parts of the state. You said that this is moving pretty quickly, uh, but... With so many thunderstorms, uh, is flash flooding or any type of flooding a potential threat with this system as well? Yes, flash flooding, just due to the um, amount of rain over a short duration, could bring some localized flooding, especially in low-lying and urban areas. Uh, right now we're anticipating potentially one to three inches. I couldn't rule out some very locally higher uh, stripes of heavy rain and because that will be in a very short duration, uh, that could cause some very quick potential for flash flooding uh, in any areas. David Cox, meteorologist with the National Weather Service in Jackson. Thank you so much for your time this morning. Yes, sir. You're very welcome. Coming up, for years, Alabama and Mississippi have refused to expand Medicaid. But advocates hope a new federal incentive could change things. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Allison Walker, the lady auto mechanic, host of AutoCorrect. If you're enjoying this podcast, try my podcast, AutoCorrect. We help steer you in the right direction with your car problems. Find me on any podcast platform or at autocorrect.mpbonline.org. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. It's an offer that's too good to refuse. That's what many advocates and politicians are saying about a new incentive to expand Medicaid. The Biden administration is promising hundreds of millions of dollars to states like Alabama and Mississippi. For years, the conservative states have refused to open up eligibility to more low-income adults. Will they take the deal now? From our partner station at WBHM in Birmingham, Mary Scott Hodgen reports. Kenneth Tyrone King and his family recently saved up enough money to rent their own apartment in Birmingham, Alabama. On a recent weekday, we're sitting in the living room. It's furnished with a couch, a few chairs, and scattered across the room, there are several piles of paper and unopened letters. King says most of them are medical bills. And just various bills and various amounts. That um, $1,600 announcement was yesterday. It was from a collection agency. I was surprised they turned it over so fast. <laughs> and they haven't reached me and get me up. King is 57 years old. He has not had health insurance for years. He lost his job at a temp agency after having emergency open heart surgery last December. He barely has enough money for the two prescriptions that he needs each month. I can afford one of them, but one of them is like a $60 medication. Uh, those type of challenges. If I had affordable health care or a health care plan, it would have at least covered some of it. King falls in the coverage gap. 
He does not qualify for Medicaid, and he cannot afford to buy a plan. Medicaid expansion means opening up eligibility to people like him, low-income adults who earn less than $18,000 a year. Most states have done this. Twelve, including Alabama and Mississippi, have not. As it is now, coverage in these states is mostly limited to children, adults with disabilities, low-income seniors, and pregnant women. A common argument against expansion is that it's too expensive. States have to pay 10% of the cost. The feds pay the rest. But advocates say the new incentive in Biden's American Rescue Plan is a game changer. The best deal that we've ever been offered. Better than any other deal that's been offered to us on Medicaid expansion. That's Jane Adams. She directs a group that campaigns for expansion in Alabama. With this new incentive, the federal government will chip in extra to pay for people who are already enrolled in a state's Medicaid program. That'll last for two years. But it's not a slam dunk for conservative leaders. Hi, uh, thank you for taking the question, Governor Reeves. During a press conference earlier this month, a reporter asked Mississippi Governor Tate Reeves about his thoughts on the New Deal. Uh, And I was curious whether that would prompt you to reconsider at all whether Mississippi should expand. Uh, No, sir, it will not. That was the full answer. Alabama's Governor Kay Ivey says she's at least open to discussion. In a statement, she says the state is reviewing the financial details of the deal before weighing in on it. Louisiana's Democratic Governor John Bell Edwards expanded Medicaid in 2016. A recent study shows that the move has reduced certain hospital costs by more than 30 percent. Advocate Jane Adams says even in holdout states like Alabama, people across the political spectrum are seeing the benefits. There is broad support for expansion now. Dynamics have changed. COVID's changed everything. She says the pandemic has reinforced the importance of having a robust health care system. It's also left many people without jobs and health insurance. <laughs> in his living room in Birmingham, Kenneth Tyrone King says Medicaid expansion might give him a chance to get ahead and break the cycle of debt. It would allow me, you know, to see, be more optimistic about making payment plans, you know, because this is something that's very important to me. You know, I want to live long. I'm sure most people do. Estimates show that Medicaid expansion would open up eligibility to more than 550,000 people across Alabama and Mississippi. That number is from before the COVID-19 pandemic. Researchers say it's likely higher now. For the Gulf States Newsroom, I'm Mary Scott Hodgen. This story was produced as part of a regional collaboration with public media stations in Louisiana, Alabama, and Mississippi. Coming up, premiering at the Oxford Film Festival this weekend, Look Away, Look Away. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Hi, I'm Walt Grayson. You can now listen to the wild, weird, and wonderful stories of Mississippi with Mile Marker. Slowly we started, you know, picking these turtles up and saving them. I'll stop traffic, grab one out of the road. And then our friends found out and our vet would call us. Join me as we hit the roads of Mississippi on Mile Marker. We are now a full-fledged, nonprofit turtle rescue. You can listen by going to mpbonline.org slash radio or by using your favorite podcasting app. Mile Marker, a Mississippi Roads podcast. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. 
This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Premiering at the Oxford Film Festival this weekend is a comprehensive look at the use and prominence of the Confederate battle emblem from the Charleston shooting of 2015 to the retiring of the Mississippi flag last summer. Patrick O'Connor is the director of Look Away, Look Away. This film begins um, after the church shootings in Charleston, South Carolina, back in 2015, when Dylan Roof murdered those nine people in the, the, the church there. And after he was captured, the investigators found photographs of Roof posing with Confederate flags at Confederate heritage sites. And when those images became public, it sparked this you know, national debate over the meaning of the Confederate symbols and, you know, the appropriateness of having them displayed in public places. And as Mississippi is or was the last state of the original Confederacy to have that symbol, its flag, it became, you know, a really important story here. So look away, look away, picks the story up at that time in, in 2015. And after that time, there was this movement to remove statues and other remnants, relics from the Confederacy from public buildings. Is that in your film at all, or is it strictly about Mississippi's flag? It's mostly about Mississippi's flag. The, the sort of the national story that you know, played out over the ensuing couple of years um, figures into the story because it sort of impacted how the story played out here in Mississippi. And, you know, we did spend a lot of time um, on the Confederate uh, monuments, but we ended up, you know, during the editing process, sort of keeping the, the story more focused uh, on the flag. We do in the film, we actually we do spend some time in New Orleans because and I think it was in 20 uh, was it 2017. Um, they you know, made this push to remove Confederate statues from public properties in New Orleans. And some of our participants in our film were involved in, in that. And we spent some time over there. Tell us about some of the voices represented in Look Away, Look Away. Well, I, I made a decision early on to try to get sort of like a broad, uh, to, to hear from people on both sides of the debate. So I approached folks um, primarily with the Sons of Confederate Veterans to see if they would be willing to talk to me about the, uh, the, the flag debate in Mississippi. And for the most part, um, they did. And I spent a lot of time with folks who are members of the SCV and talked to other Confederate heritage organizations as well. But I also uh, reached out to folks who were working to get the flag changed. Um, and that's um, folks like Sharon Brown up in Jackson and Leah Campbell uh, here on the Gulf Coast. They are, you know, in the film and, you know, were very generous with me to allow me to sort of like spend some time with them and, and get their perspective on the issue. Is there bias in your documentary? Did you go into this with a certain mindset? No, I, you know, I, I tried really hard. I told everybody that that's involved in the film that I wasn't uh, going to take a, a side in the debate and I wasn't going to judge anyone. It really wasn't what I wanted to do. I just wanted to understand uh, you know, why people felt the way they did and why the, the state flag of Mississippi caused such a division. And, you know, through the course of the editing process, and it's, you know, I'll admit it's not easy to do. I spent, you know, a lot of time trying to make sure that the film was trying to be fair, you know, to everyone's position. So I would like, you know, the folks who participated in the film to see the film and say, yeah, you know, he, he got our position right and, you know, and we've been, you know, well represented. 
Um, so that that was the goal, and you know, I, I think you know to the degree that we can, we we you know we've achieved that. Share with us, if you will, sort of the nuts and bolts of making a documentary film. I mean, this is not your first film. You are a filmmaker. What does it right. take to do it? Oh man, that's a great question. I think the nuts and bolts part of it is is you you know you first have to find a story that you feel has potential, you know, to be of interest, to be dramatic. Uh, to resonate with audiences. Um, and I felt that, you know, when, when the state flag issue sort of started to blow up here in Mississippi, it, it just became clear to me that this was going to be an interesting story that, you know, someone should document. Um, and I was in a position, you know, to, to attempt to do that. The other really critical part for, aspect for a film like this is finding people who are willing to talk to you. And to, to, you know, let you into their lives, so to speak. And, you know, that's in the film world, we kind of call that having access. So um, that, that was the first thing I had to do was to meet with um, folks and say, here's what I'm trying to do. This is the film I want to try to make. And, you know, would you be willing to, you know, sort of let me in to your world and, and, and you know, follow you and, and, you know, hear what you have to say about these things. So over, over the course of this nearly five years, I think I probably talked to and or interviewed over a hundred different people because I was always, you know, trying to follow leads. And if something interesting was happening somewhere, I would go and talk to those folks. Um, but, you know, the film, because we tried to make it a single feature film and it's, it's 90 minutes long, we really had to, you know, winnow that down to, I think there's maybe, there's, 12 or 15, you know, people who, you know, sort of appear in the film kind of regularly. Let me interject for a second. I want to ask you, of the 100 people you talked to, this is a very, well, people are passionate on one side or the other. Did you hear a lot of that passion or did it spill over into anger or resentment? Oh, that's, you know, there's definitely some anger and some resentment. Definitely. Um, uh, yes, I, you know, that, that the short answer is yes. I mean, people, you know, can get very upset about this. Um, and that comes from you know, one of the things that I, I sort of discovered, I think, making this film was that, you know, what you feel about the flag has a lot to do with your identity. Um, and when someone's kind of challenging your your view on the flag, they they also are maybe challenging your identity a little bit, too. And people don't like that. So, uh, you know, it's people are passionate, put it that way. And, and that shows up in the film, for sure. When did you finish the film? That's another good question. I thought I had finished the film in spring of last year. Um, around April, we had a fine cut. And in that version of the film, it was an unresolved issue for the most part. The state flag wasn't changing. It was still flying over the courthouse. Um all of the avenues for flag change had seemed to like, you know, all those windows had closed. The legislature wasn't going to do anything about it. The governor wouldn't do anything about it. Um, it, it just, it seemed like the story was over and we cut a film that ended with an unresolved um, ending. And then the murder of George Floyd happened up in Minneapolis and that just changed everything. It opened the story back up and within weeks, it, it, it became clear that something was going to change. So, you know, I, I, you know, jumped back on the story again and thought, you know, tried to follow that complex, chaotic time at the Capitol and reconnected with some people in the film and uh, shot for another almost 
you know, I guess nine or ten months until the flag was you know, officially changed back this past January. So the film actually kind of ended twice for me. Um, we had an ending, and then we had another ending. Patrick O'Connor is the filmmaker, the director of Look Away, Look Away, one of the featured films in the Oxford Film Festival uh, from March 24th to the 28th and then April 1st to the 30th. And Patrick, I thank you so much for being with us. Karen, thank you. It was a pleasure. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And if your app lets you, leave a comment or review. We really do appreciate it. Remember, you can always get in touch with MPB News on Facebook and Twitter. And fresh episodes of the podcast are posted every weekday morning. I'm Karen Brown. Thanks for listening. This is Mississippi Edition from MPB Think Radio.